Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. On this week's episode of the podcast, we are covering the fact that TikTok isn't banned yet. Video game loot boxes might get banned in the future, and possible new cancer treatment involving new technology. Okay, on to topic number one. So, as we said, TikTok hasn't been banned yet. Uh, in one of our previous episodes, we were talking about how the President Trump announced that he was making a ban or placing a ban on TikTok because it was owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance. You know, numerous risks to national U.S. national security were being cited as the reason for the ban, and they were given a deadline that they had to sell by. Now, I think the original deadline was November 12th, possibly. Mm-hmm. But TikTok and ByteDance have fought that ban and they've taken it to the Committee on Foreign Investments. And so far, it's been pushed back twice now. Right now, their new date is December 4th. So they have until December 4th to sell. And you had actually brought this up to me. Seems like um, two companies, two American companies, Oracle and Walmart, are, I guess, the front runners to buy TikTok. Now, I guess, what else do you have to share about this potential ban, or not even potential ban, this upcoming ban? Yeah, so it's interesting. It seems like there's a couple of things going on here. Um, there is this tentative idea that TikTok could offload some of its or the majority of its u.s operations onto u.s companies and two of the companies that came up were oracle and walmart and they would combine together to kind of take care of, of tiktok's operations inside of the u.s well i think the idea is not wholly getting rid of or selling the entire tiktok brand to an american company which was originally the kind of goal of the U.S. government um, to make sure that they can still operate in, in the United States. So this idea that they could do this isn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to be a fix. Um, they're hoping that this would be enough to allow them to continue to operate within the United States. But the idea is there isn't enough information from the U.S. government, according to TikTok, to tell them, A, is this possible? And and B, if this does happen, will this uh, circumvent the ban and allow them to continue operations? Um, so essentially what was happening is TikTok was saying, hey, we weren't getting any response back from the government. You can't go along with this ban. It needs to be extended because we need to hear back about this information to see whether or not this fixes the problem and, or whether or not this is even possible. So there was an additional extension to kind of allow for more conversation to happen between TikTok, ByteDance, and the U.S. government, as well as with uh, Walmart and Oracle to make sure that when these details actually go through and when the plan actually goes through, if it does, it will allow for TikTok to continue operations in the U.S., which is interesting because I, I know we mentioned this before for a while, the the idea of what TikTok was going to do or what was happening went pretty silent. So it was just wondering on whether or not did this, does this ban just, you know, go away? Is it still happening? Is it not? 
So yeah, I think this is a confirmation that the ban is still happening if TikTok does nothing. And this is them trying to figure out the best option without completely selling the company, which is interesting. Um, I've, like we mentioned on this podcast before, I haven't used TikTok uh, much in the past. I see why it's really cool and addictive. It's it's kind of a new technology. But um, I wonder if TikTok still being owned by ByteDance and just having its American operations would be enough um, going forward. But what do you think? Do you think like that's a good plan for for ByteDance to kind of just separate a little bit? Or do you think it would make more sense just to get the most amount of money they can, sell this really highly valuable product and just get out of the U.S.? I think just having like their U.S. information sold makes a lot of sense for them. Um, I guess from what I've read, it seems like Oracle is going to be tasked with hosting all of the U.S. user data on their cloud platform. So anything that has to do with, I guess, people who reside in the U.S. or who work in the U.S. or maybe even just U.S. citizens who live abroad, right? All of their user data will be hosted by Oracle's platform as opposed to, I guess, whatever platforms ByteDance is using right now and I guess if the whole like if I guess one of the main reasons for the original ban was okay national security of U.S. citizens then this kind of solves that problem and you mentioned that Oracle and Walmart were interested in it and I was kind of like wait why is Walmart interested in TikTok at all like this doesn't make any sense but I did a little bit of reading and it's apparently TikTok has kind of started launching an e-commerce part to it division to it and so walmart is obviously obviously interested in the e-commerce potential of tiktok you know people possibly selling stuff or doing partnerships with different companies and advertising it on tiktok obviously walmart wants to be a part of that i mean recently instagram was updated and they kind of removed the there's like a little tab where you can see okay you know, people that liked your stuff, people that commented on your stuff, what your friends are doing, they move that to a completely different section and they put in a shop in Instagram and everyone's kind of like, why would you put a shop as one of the main like features of a photo sharing app? But it's obviously everyone is trying to kind of make as much money as possible. It's just, it's kind of interesting that Walmart is trying to get in on this and turn it into more of an e-commerce thing because I feel like part of why TikTok is so successful is I guess how uncommercial it is. It's like a very, almost like a very grassroots kind of environment as opposed to Instagram and Facebook. There's so much like advertisements and sponsored stuff and buy this and buy that where TikTok, at least from my opinion and like you, I don't use TikTok really at all. Um, it's seen as a more like grassroots sort of entertainment thing. And if Walmart were successful in buying it and they were then to push like an e-commerce sort of, I guess, mindset onto TikTok, I feel like that would affect the whole, I guess, aesthetic or even just the whole idea of TikTok and what makes it successful. So if they do end up buying it i you know i'm kind of worried about what tiktok may turn into or i definitely feel like it would lose lose some of what makes it special 
I guess if Walmart did end up buying it and pushing it more towards e-commerce than it is now. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that as well, especially because much like, I guess, its its predecessor or progenitor, um, Vine, a lot of reasons why people flocked to those platforms was that it just was about fun. You weren't constantly being marketed to, at least if, if you were, it wasn't blatantly obvious like it can be with Instagram. Um, when you see a post and then all of a sudden you read the thing and it's just all about some, some I don't know, some stomach pills that will you know make you happier or something like that. It's, it's, <laughs> there, there always seems to be an ulterior motive to most of the biggest posts on Instagram. And I think a lot of people are kind of turning away from that. They want something that's just about, oh, let's see this cool, fun thing, which is what where they were originally designed to be. And I think this, but I do think that that's the future of social media. Um, I remember when Google was initially launching their video game platform, Stadia. They talked about, okay, their vision of the future is if you're watching a Let's Play of a game on YouTube, you could literally just click a button and then start playing that game. So essentially, the videos on YouTube are advertising a game that you want to play. And I think the same thing can be for TikTok going forward, where if you're listening to or if you're watching a video of someone dancing to a song, there could be a button that says, buy this song right now. And it takes you to iTunes or it takes you to whatever, maybe even TikTok's own music store. Or in case of Walmart, let's say someone is wearing a particular set of shoes or a T-shirt like I've seen recently, uh, Walmart has been making huge gains into getting actual clothing designers in their stores. Like Echo is now showing up in Walmarts. Um, and th- I would imagine that this is kind of Walmart's way of comp- competing with Target in the, in the United States, um, being known as having much better quality clothes and stuff like that. This could be Walmart trying to get into that. So I could see a situation where Walmart could see this as an investment opportunity to say, if we're going to invest in getting bigger brands into our stores, uh, Levi's, Echo, uh, whatever other kind of big brand you want, maybe even Nike in the future, or even Marvel or something like that, and you can say, okay, this is one of the biggest, I don't know what you call the person who does stuff on TikTok, TikToker, um, <laughs> on our platform, let's send them a bunch of Marvel t-shirts so that when anyone watches their video, there could be a buy now button right on that video to buy that, that t-shirt. Um, yeah, I think that could be a really, I mean, all in all, it could be cool, uh, for people who are fans of a particular person and want to, you know, support them in a way. But also I think it could be a huge way of, of getting profit sharing on these platforms up. We've seen TikTok recently really kind of, uh, focus more on giving more money back to creators. And if the company can get more money in from sponsors like Walmart, um, who have you know deep pockets? This could probably mean people who are on that platform can make more money in the future. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a a weird tightrope to to walk so that you don't devalue what TikTok is about and what I would imagine is about. Because like you said, we both don't really use it that much. But it seems like it's about fun videos um, as opposed to marketing and and you know trying to sell you things. So speaking of giving more money to creators. Somewhat recently, Instagram launched their own version of TikTok. Um, Mm -hmm. Sort of they added their own Reels video, which are short. I think 30 seconds is the maximum that you can have a clip for. 
which is meant to sort of emulate TikTok's whole idea. Snapchat has also launched something similar, and what they're doing to promote this is they're saying, okay, we're going to put up $1 million. Whoever has the most popular, now what do they call it? They're calling them spotlights. It's a new spotlight feature. So you can make your own little short 15-second video and publish it for the world to see. You don't have to. You can obviously do it privately like Snapchat usually is, but you could publish it for the world to see. If enough people like your video, you could win $1 million. Wow. So every day for... So I think every day for the rest of 2020, they're giving out a million dollars to the most viral video. Each day? Each day. Wow. So, (laughs) yeah. So they're really trying to push this, right? Because anybody could win it. I'm not sure if there's some sort of exemptions from, let's say, people who are, are already famous or, you know, like celebrities like a Kylie Jenner who's already on Snapchat and already has however many millions of followers. I'm not sure if there's some sort of exemption on, okay, you can't win this million dollars because I'm sure someone like that could easily make the most viral video. But they've opened up this competition to get people more interested in using their nor- their new spotlight feature. And even yeah. with Instagram, right? They have their Instagram reels. A lot of what people do is they just take their TikToks literally like screen record and post it to Instagram. Yeah. Cuz it's kind of like you've already done the work for it, but with Snapchat, you it has to be made in the app. So you can't cuz a lot of times with TikTok, it will be like a watermark that says, you know, made on TikTok. Here's your yeah. username on TikTok. But Snapchat, if you have any sort of like other branding in it, nope, you don't qualify for it. So they're they're making people use their spotlight feature so it's directly promoting okay snapchat spotlight you could win a million dollars who doesn't want to mil- win a million dollars for making a viral video right yeah it's like every gen z or millennial dream is i made a million dollars on social media right yeah so it's kind of a lot of people are trying to take what tiktok has i guess made popular they're trying to take some of the thunder from from TikTok thinking that, okay, Instagram is just like, we're going to copy what you did. Snapchat is like, we're going to copy what you did, but give people a million dollars to do it. We'll see if it ends up being successful. If I'm sure people will be posting a lot to Snapchat just for a chance to win a million dollars because they're putting it up there for you to win. But it, it will be interesting to see, I guess, in the long run, how much people stick with this with these new platforms that are offering this TikTok like feature. And I guess an interesting thing about the TikTok ban too, right? The whole time it's been okay, the US government is the one kind of dictating what's going on. Another side to this is that the Chinese government may end up blocking any potential sales. Uh, because yes. pretty much they don't want part of what makes TikTok so successful is the algorithm that they use to recommend stuff to people. Whatever yeah. sort of AI algorithm they've developed, it's very good at saying, okay, you've watched this video in the past, you've liked this video, you've watched this video X number of times. We have 
an idea that you're going to like this one also. So the algorithm they've created is very good at recommending stuff and promoting stuff to people and keeping people on their platform. So the Chinese government doesn't want ByteDance to transfer any of its algorithm to Oracle or to any potential buyers, right? So if the U.S. government is saying, hey, you have to sell the algorithm along with ownership of TikTok, and the Chinese government is saying, well, no, we're not letting them sell the algorithm at all. That's part of our national security or whatever it may be. We may get to a point where the U.S. government has okayed the deal, but the Chinese government is the one blocking the deal now. Yeah, that, that's a good point, because I, I guess this is almost like um, two governments getting involved in a, in a kind of corporate, corporate espionage type of situation, which one thing, you know, we mentioned early in this, in this podcast, um, in previous episodes, was uh, what was going on with Huawei, and the idea that a lot of the, the problems that companies had with Huawei, you know, in the United States was that they were potentially stealing secrets from companies and implementing them into their own devices. And this could be a situation where someone like Oracle, who's involved in databases and, you know, machine learning and stuff like that, like that's their business. It might be hugely profitable for them to say, how do we get our hands on one of the most addictive algorithms that's been created? This is a perfect opportunity for them to maybe not just make money off this huge success of TikTok, but get that technology in their hands and maybe make something of their own that they can tailor to their customers and, and you know, kind of retrofit for their greater business, which is, is huge. And then another thing you mentioned, which I think is a, a little bit sad, is the amount of times that we've talked about this TikTok story, Snapchat, I don't think has ever come up. And <laughs> it just goes to show like how far that, kind of platform has fallen i remember i've never used snapchat myself but i remember there was a time when that was the biggest thing that people used and i know nowadays it's still pretty big with the filters and all that um but it's just interesting how one of the most widely publicized you know stories about social media and one of the biggest social media platforms weren't really involved in the conversation um so this i think that million dollar uh giveaway that they planned i think that's on their case it it had to have happened because they needed to get their their hat in the ring for someone like me who isn't super involved in social media and and completely forgot that they existed i think this this is going to get their name out a bit more and potentially kind of bring people back who maybe lapsed or forgot that that snapchat was a really big thing and has a lot of really cool technologies that they can give to to people but you know it's, it's going to be one of those interesting things to see how it plans out uh especially going up until this deadline, which uh, is December 4th. And I guess you mentioned, you know, possibly Oracle wants to get a hold of the algorithm. Imagine Walmart, let's say, if they take the algorithm that's so successful at promoting videos that people like and they use it to promote items that people like. So when you're shopping online or even when you're shopping anywhere, really, and you see a Walmart ad pop up like, hey, we saw that, you know, you bought this the other day. You bought this on Black Friday maybe you'd be interested in this for Boxing Day, especially because so much of purchases and so much of shopping has moved to the online space. Mm-hmm. Any sort of technology or algorithm that can help promote your business online is becoming more and more vital to companies. 
100%. And this could be a way for Walmart to finally challenge Amazon in the online retail space, which they should have been doing for a long time. But their technology was lagging for so long that this could potentially be their kind of new avenue into that space. So yeah, I, I definitely think that the idea that TikTok, you know, needed to move its operations to the U.S. to continue to operate made a huge amount of opportunity. Um, and remember, this is also something that, you know, TikTok was banned in India as well. So I think a lot of these companies are seeing this as a huge opportunity to go out and either bolster their their user base by, you know, taking from TikTok with this uncertainty or even just trying to get involved with TikTok and, and using that technology or that platform to kind of grow their business, which is interesting to see how policy can make so much, so much opportunities for, for American companies in this way. On to the next topic. All right. Okay. Our next topic for the day, loot boxes might be getting banned from games. I guess throughout the years, there's been a lot of, or there's been some controversy as to whether or not loot boxes are considered gambling. You actually brought this to my attention. In the first quarter of 2020, Activision and Blizzard Games, who make, you know, Call of Duty Warzone, Overwatch, Candy Crush, World of Warcraft, they made just under $1 billion in the first yeah. quarter of 2020. So, I mean, this has kind of been a trend we've we've seen throughout 2020. Any sort of online business has thrived during this pandemic, this first part of the pandemic. So it's mm -hmm. not... I mean, it's surprising to see such a large number, but it's not surprising to see that it's coming from, you know, like a video game, a technology company. Yeah, 100%. And for right after the merger of Activision and Blizzard, they were the most valuable video game company. And around that time, for, for a few years, they were making close to and around $4 billion a year just off of microtransactions. And this was at a time when a lot of companies weren't taking full advantage of loot boxes and microtransactions and their kind of addictive nature. And it, things have really changed now. I, I know, you know, EA, Electronic Arts, put a huge uh, focus on microtransactions and loot boxes for a long time and actually increase their revenue from that field up to like a billion dollars a year. So even though, you know, we think of, of electronic arts as, as one of this, one of the largest companies in, in the video game industry, and they have all these practices with microtransactions. We've seen it with battlefront two. There was a lot of, of controversy around that, but at the end of the day, they're still making so much less than a company like Activision blizzard. Uh, but yeah, this is, it, it's become such a huge part of video games especially online games today that i think it's starting to catch the attention of parents and governments and you know as it makes more news a lot of people are starting to wonder is this gambling and if it is gambling this a lot of these prog products are targeted towards kids could this potentially be growing a bad habit for gambling in general from a young age which is really interesting i don't know um personally how i feel about that i don't know if there's like enough information out there but um my question to you i guess is is uh how do you feel do you feel like loot boxes and we've both played overwatch in the past 
do they seem like gambling to you? Like, does it seem like this is something that maybe shouldn't be marketed towards kids or shouldn't be in video games? Um, so just, I guess, a brief bit of information for someone who isn't familiar with mm-hmm. loot boxes and microtransactions. What we're talking about, a lot of games nowadays, um, they will have these mystery boxes. Let's say these mystery loot boxes. And most games have some sort of, you know, digital currency that they come up with, right? For, yeah, they come up with whatever sort of something V-Bucks or, you know, something coins, Apex coins. But they have a digital currency that is only for that game. You can use that currency to then buy a box which will give you an item or two. You don't know what's in the box. It's a mystery, but you buy the box, you open it, and then you say, hey, I've gotten these items. Most of the time, the items are cosmetic, so they won't affect your gameplay at all. It's just you know a cool outfit for your character to wear or you know an accessory, something like that. I guess the problem where loot boxes or mystery boxes are seen as gambling is typically you get this uh, digital currency by playing the game. You complete a mission, you get some currency. You play the story, you get some currency. Games have started, or not started, games have added in the ability to, hey, let's say if you don't want to play for an hour to get this digital currency, we'll say, hey, you can pay $10 and you can get a bunch of digital currency. The same thing that it would take you an hour to get, you can just pay $10 and you'll get it right now. So what people have started doing and what I guess kids are doing and well, not even just kids, what people are doing is they're saying, I don't want to spend all this time playing the game. I just want to open up loot boxes. So I am going to pay the 10, 20, whatever it is. I'll pay that, buy some loot boxes and open it. I see it, I definitely see it as gambling. Mm -hmm. It's a lower form of gambling as opposed to gambling, just like straight up money. But it still is gambling in a way. Um, You brought up Battlefront 2, which is a Star Wars game. They introduced loot boxes and they made it so that you had to unlock luke skywalker and darth vader now anyone who's familiar with star wars and you know if you think hey i'm gonna play a game and i get to play as jedi and sith and i get to play as whoever luke skywalker and darth vader are the two most popular characters there are other than baby baby yoda now but (laughs) before baby yoda the two most popular characters so you think hey if i'm buying this game i get to play as these guys what they did was they made it so hard to unlock these playable characters. I think it was someone had done some math and it was you had to play 40 hours per character to earn enough of their digital credits to buy these people. EA's response was, well, you know, we wanted to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking the different heroes. And OK, I, that makes sense. But they added in a payment system for that. So if you wanted, you could spend the countless hours to unlock these two characters or you could pay a fee and unlock them, which completely defeats the purpose of having, you know, this sense of 
pride and accomplishment for unlocking them when someone could just spend $40 to unlock the characters. The idea of loot boxes, I like, of getting cosmetics and, you know, of playing throughout the story and being rewarded different things. But as soon as you bring money into it, that completely defeats the purpose. Let's say if let's say if there was a purple lightsaber that you can unlock in Star Wars and it was you had to play 20 hours of Star Wars to get this lightsaber and that was the only way you could do it, then you, okay, that has to be a sense of accomplishment and pride. But as soon as you add in, well, if you just pay $20 instead of 20 hours, then you get the lightsaber right away. It's, it defeats the whole idea of a loot box. I, I definitely see it as gambling. I don't think it should be in games like directed at kids because it does teach them bad habits very young, especially a kid who, let's say, is like, I don't know, six years old and their parents' credit card is linked to their Fortnite account. And it's they they don't have any idea of what money is. Right. They know yeah. that, OK, I use money to buy stuff, but the actual value of that money they don't know what it's like to make $10, $20, or $100. It's just a number on a screen. And mm. if they can just hit, okay, X, buy these coins. I open up the pack. I didn't get what I want. Okay, buy some more coins. That's like a dangerous habit for a, a kid to get into. Yeah. And see, th- that's where like, I, I definitely don't necessarily disagree with any of that. Like, I don't think that it's definitely not gambling. The one place where I kind of find it interesting, so you, you've mentioned like uh, Battlefront and stuff like that, and a lot of the other games that have really kind of embraced the idea of loot boxes um, are sports games. You know, games like FIFA and, and NBA 2K, um, one from EA, the other one from, from Take-Two uh, Interactive. Essentially what they allow you to do is they allow you to open card packs of characters and essentially... You can either pay real money to get a virtual currency to buy those packs, or you could, you know, play the game, build up that currency over time, and it takes very, very long. And, but when you buy these packs, it's completely random, or it's randomized um, of what you're going to get. And essentially, you always want to get the best player. You want the, if you're playing FIFA, you want the, the Lionel Messi's and the, like, and essentially, there could be multiple versions of that same player. There could be one that's rated two stars and you know not as good and then there could be a three-star version of a player and he's and he's great and if you make your team with all of these highly sought after cards you're going to be better than most people that you're playing online so the interesting thing of where i don't know where the rules for this fall and where they stand is this is very similar to trading card games that for years have always been marketed towards kids, games like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and uh, Magic the Gathering. The idea that you would go to a store, you would buy a shiny package of cards that there's no indication of what's going to be in that package, um, but you buy it with the hope that you'll get a good card. And I, I feel like this is something that's always existed for so long in the physical space and now, as it's starting to come into the video game space and a place where it hasn't been in the past, I think it's, it's a little bit more jarring to a lot of people. Um, and that's my biggest problem with it. It's not, not so much of the idea that it could be gambling. It's what you mentioned, the idea that 
you used to be able to get these items by playing the game. And now in order to make more money, playing the game to get those items has become incredibly inefficient and just not fun so that they can entice you to pay money to get them instead. And I think that has been kind of shady work uh, on, on, on these companies and, and what they've been doing. But at the end of the day, I think if these rules do come down or if governments or parents decide that this shouldn't be allowed in video games, it makes me wonder if this should be allowed in things like trading card games as well, um, which is something that I don't know. I don't know if, if, if there's a difference maybe to the mental, like the idea of like that, that hit that you get when you win something. Um, is it different on a physical thing than it is on a digital thing? I would imagine it's not, but yeah, I think that's going to be something that, that those questions are going to have to be asked going forward if it's decided that loot boxes and randomization in video games can be considered gambling. And I guess another note on that, there's a difference in cosmetic loot and performance loot, right? So let's say for card games, for instance, right? You get in, usually the the rarer cards, the more valuable cards that helps you win the game yeah right there is a lot of video games have cosmetic loot where they don't affect your ability to play the game at all it just changes how you look like a costume for a character i like that kind of loot because it kind of it gives you some customization and some personality to your character my problem with loot is where if you have this it makes you a better player. I guess that's the same thing with trading card games. And the thing with those was always, yes, they were marketed to kids, usually through, you know, TV and comic books and that sort of thing. But in terms yeah. of whoever was good at the game, because you had like Pokemon tournaments and Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments and that sort of thing, the people who were good at the game were always the ones that had the money yeah. to either buy more packs or buy the best cards. So you never had kids winning those games. It was always like young adults or even adults winning those games because those are the people that have the money to spend on that sort of stuff. With video games, if it's just cosmetic stuff, like, hey, I want my guy to wear a purple, I don't know, Joker suit. Sure. Yeah. But as soon as that purple Joker suit comes to giving you like invincibility and you can fly anywhere you want and you can shoot laser beams out of your eyes that's where my problem with loot comes up and i guess that's kind of like nba 2k like you mentioned right if you're creating a a team and you get these card packs and you're getting like a diamond lebron james and a diamond magic johnson and you're building your team out of that well, then it gets to, okay, it doesn't matter how good you are at playing 2K. If you can't beat a diamond Wilt Chamberlain and LeBron James and Michael Jordan all on the same team, then it's like, well, it sucks to be you. Make more money or spend more money on this game. Yeah. And the thing is, loot boxes and microtransactions have always been an aspect of free-to-play games. Because I guess the idea is you don't pay anything for this game. So you have extra money to put into like the little little tweaks and cosmetics of the game. But mm-hmm. now it's gotten to the point where even games you pay for, like 2K, like Battlefront, there's microtransactions on top of that too. So it's, it's you're paying money up front, and then you're also paying more money towards the game. 
as opposed to free-to-play games with loot boxes and microtransactions. It's like, well, you didn't pay any money to even play this game in the first place. So it seems it doesn't seem as bad, I guess, to put money into the game after the fact when you got yeah. it for free. That's a really, I think, important point where whether or not this is gambling, whether it's decided or not, and whether loot boxes get banned, at the end of the day, I don't think it can be argued that when companies like Electronic Arts or Take-Two or, or Activision put these methods in a full-priced game, especially when a company like Take-Two is saying how they're going to raise the price of games going forward, and say, if you want to be good at that, this game in any kind of reasonable amount of time, you have to then pay more money. Whether it's considered gambling or not, it, is, it does seem unethical. It does seem like it is essentially pushing players to spend more money as opposed to buying a game and just being able to play and enjoy a game. At the end of the day, they're not doing it because they're at record low profits or they're struggling. I mean, all of these companies are hugely profitable. They're doing it because they want to make more money. They want to you know, impress their shareholders. They want to you know, essentially just have get more money from every player who decides to buy the game. If they sell a million copies of a game and each of those million people pay $80 for a game or $60 for a game. It's much better on, in their eyes to say, okay, spend 80 or $60 for this game. And then once you get it, 1% of the people who play this game will spend an extra thousand dollars. And the other 99% of people who play this game might spend an extra $20. And that is a huge amount of profits for them. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be, and I think that's why so many people want some kind of rule to change whether it's considering it gambling or, or not, is because it seems like a lot of these companies are, have been operating unchecked in terms of what they can do with their games. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I was reading um, an article from the BBC, and they were interviewing people all across the world, Canada, you know, UK, and a lot of the people in this article were talking about um, how they put 1,500 euros to 2,000 euros into a game just to be better. Someone even put 5,000 or, you know, 2,000. And then, you know, another family in, in Canada talked about how they put $1,000 into FIFA just so they can build their team. Jeez. And it's, it's, it's so interesting to see, like, it, it works. That's the weird part, is that these, these process, this process works. And it's, it's just like, well, what have they done? Kind of like with what we talked about previously with TikTok, about this addictive algorithm what are they doing? Is it the sounds? Is it the graphics that come up when a, when a, a high level, like you mentioned, diamond card pops up? Is it, are they doing these extra things that they're copying from casinos to make it more addictive? So yeah, it's, it's really kind of interesting. And I definitely think whether or not it's gambling, I don't know, but I definitely think this is something that needs to be looked into to see, like, is there less than uh, moral practices being done by these companies to make sure that people spend thousand to three thousand dollars on a game after they already bought it definitely ethical questions to be asked of these gaming companies in the future the one thing i would ask is let's say for example loot boxes are banned mm. um across multiple countries to the point where video game companies have to get rid of it do they take a fortnite like model where you see fortnite is completely cosmetic so you're not getting any kind of uh advantage in some cases, you might get a disadvantage if you buy a character who looks really cool, but it's also the size of a giant tree. Um, it might just be easier to, to get rid of. But 
the the one thing I would say is like, let's say for example, you can't get a random diamond Magic Johnson. Do they just put a one hundred dollar Magic Johnson card in a store, or you just have to pay a ridiculous amount of money to buy them? Because that's that's like one of those things where it'll be so transparent to see like, oh, the only reason these things are in the game isn't to make the game more fun. It's just to make the make more money, and it's going to be interesting to see if if loot boxes go away do they just become more transparent and just say okay well then you got to pay a ton of money to get the cool characters um or do they kind of go backwards and say okay maybe we're gonna go hands off and make focus this game on about being fun as opposed to buying things and the reason why i asked that question it might sound ridiculous but i used to play a lot of fighting games i don't play many fighting games anymore because they have gone very serious into microtransactions to the point where a game series that I really used to like in Dead or Alive, to this day, both the last two versions have close to, or sometimes even exceeding $2,000 worth of DLC to get all the characters and the cosmetics and stuff like that for the game. And it's come to the point now where they don't care anymore about the the kind of image of, of a game just being about fun or playing the game to unlock things. They have completely embraced the idea of if you want these things you got to pay more money you buy the game and then you pay more money to get them and i can see that kind of methodology weave its way into other uh types of games as well um so yeah it's going to be i guess kind of a lesser of two evils types of situation of are loot boxes the worst option and they probably are but if they go away does this an even more kind of nefarious option or even kind of more annoying option come in where you will never be able to have everything in a game because it will cost way too much to. On to our final topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'll let you introduce this final topic. Essentially, what uh, this, this story is about is some uh, researchers in Israel uh, have been using some groundbreaking technology to kind of rethink of the way... Uh, cancer-fighting chemotherapy works. So uh, essentially, like right now, if you want to get some kind of, uh, or if you need some kind of cancer treatment, you can either use chemotherapy or you can use radiation and uh, depending on, on the type of cancer that you have. And they will try to target that treatment to a specific part of the body. So if you need uh, some chemotherapy in your abdomen, um, they will intravenously pump the drugs into your abdomen to kind of focus them on that area to fight the cancer cells. The kind of downside to that is that these therapies can be destructive to non-cancerous cells. So other types of cells in that area, for example, in your abdomen, can also be damaged by this therapy. So their new kind of uh, methodology here is that they can essentially... And, and the scientists describe it as a more elegant solution. They can kind of tailor the treatment specifically to the cancerous cells. So instead of casting a wide net and you know potentially damaging a wide net of cells that aren't cancerous, they can focus the treatment on a specific cell and have more concrete proof that those cancerous cells are, are gone um, don't exist anymore without having to damage the cells around it. So they've been doing this, this, these studies on mice 
um, and they found it to be wildly successful. But then also, you know, potentially they can implement this treatment in as little as two years from now, which is, is, is kind of, of crazy to think. Like, you know, there's always been kind of small advancements to cancer treatment. More and more cancers have become curable over the years um, and, you know, slowly fighting back with a lot of donations from people and a lot of real uh, scientific kind of breakthroughs. But this is one of the biggest ones that I've personally seen as someone who's absolutely not a doctor, um, but uh, have seen in a while that, that this could kind of really reshape cancer treatment. And the, the coolest part about this is a lot of the studies that they've done on these mice have focused on some of the most deadly and dangerous forms of cancer, um, like uh, really kind of invasive uh, brain tumors and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's really interesting to see this this how technology um, can kind of weave its way into not just video games and, and laptops and stuff like that, but you know into the medical system and and kind of create vastly new ways of thinking for fighting things that that you know we've kind of done the same way for so long. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see, and and I'm kind of curious to see like how this will evolve if, if we're going to see more stories there there isn't a ton of people reporting it right now there is a paper out from the scientists who have been who have been doing this research uh it is peer-reviewed so you know but at the end of the day it's going to take more time and, and more reviews and, and more kind of information about this process especially from people who are much smarter than me who can actually understand the paper i've, I've tried going through it it's, it's <laughs> very difficult for me to fully understand because it's very technical but um, yeah, it's going to be cool to see, you know, how this can kind of evolve and, and especially come into practice, as they're saying, and hopefully in, in as little as two years. Definitely, I guess, a big accomplishment and definitely looking forward to see, I guess, how this progresses. I mean, it's it's different than our regular topics, right? Most of it of what we talk about is cell phones and computers and video games but i guess this is more of the science fiction route movies forever have kind of shown advancements in in uh, the medical field right you get a cut you spray i don't know the famous thing is you spray some nanobots and your skin instantly heals itself right it seems like this is something bringing us closer to that future where when you're diagnosed with cancer, you know, at one point it was kind of a life sentence and depending on the type of cancer, it still can be. This is, this, I guess, has a potential to be a huge breakthrough where, you know, when you have a diagnosis, it's not, okay, how long do I have projected to live? It's, well, there is treatment that can completely eradicate this mm-hmm. right we have the technology where it's not like you said it's not like we're you know irradiating an entire section of your body and hopefully we we get the cancer that we're aiming for it's well no we have a treatment we can directly target what we're looking to and within a matter of a year you can be completely cancer free and not even just with cancer right with other diseases this could be a huge breakthrough where 
it's not so much a like expected survival rate anymore. Now we're moving closer and closer to being able to diagnose something, treat it, and there's no more expected survival rate. You are going to survive, yeah. right? It's it's in all a- aspects of the medical field there have been improvements like this, right? Like in terms of let's say ACL injuries, and I'm I'm not comparing ACL injuries to to cancer by any means, but in the past, if an athlete had an injury. It was, oh, well, his career is done. There's no chance he's ever going to come back from this, right? You could be a 22-year-old, you tear your ACL, and it's, all right, well, I guess you're retiring now. Whereas now in sports, when someone has an injury like that, well, okay, it's an estimated one-year recovery time. He'll get the surgery, and then in one year, he'll be just like he was before. So there's always advancements happening. And it's very, I guess, inspirational or motivational or it's great to see that there are advancements being made like this where it's not just okay we have a new algorithm to sell you more stuff it's well no now we have a better and more efficient way to fight cancer and other diseases that you know have always affected us so i'm I'm definitely and the fact that we could see this breakthrough happen in two years to the to the point where it's actually being used on people is definitely great to see. Great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. Like we've seen so many, or we heard about so many um, kind of medical advances that could potentially, you know, change the way we fight cancer or could potentially change the way we fight. um, We fight diseases that, you know, kind of plague, um, plague the, the earth and, and human beings but the the thing is that a lot of those are were very theoretical um and didn't have much practice behind them and the the there's always been a huge connection between fighting disease and technology with certain things like like folding at home where you know people would turn their computer to kind of connect link all of our computers together to be a supercomputer to kind of fight things like cancer and stuff like that but the, what makes this story so interesting and, and kind of so much more, you know, kind of motivational or, or aspirational than a lot of those other uh, stories, like you mentioned, is the fact that this is in practice and has an actual potential turnaround time for when it can be used um, in the real world. And, you know, that's something that for all of the, the kind of stories you hear of all these theoretical potential procedures this is something that isn't just potential it's something that is does exist and is working and obviously it's not necessarily a done deal right now like sure it is showing that it's working in mice will this translate um it's still going to be it still remains to be seen but it's much more of a concrete kind of uh message being put out there and, and details being put out there than what we've seen in the past which is what makes it so exciting Within two years, right, we'll see where this technology ends up. And I guess the only hope, or well, one of the many hopes for this, right, is once it becomes something viable, once it becomes something that, like, is safe to use, how affordable is this going to be? That's going to be the problem that I think we'll run into in the future, right? Like, if this is something that can 
if this is something that becomes more than theory, that becomes something that is like readily practiced, mm-hmm. is it going to be a million dollars per treatment? So now we get to the point where it's okay, well, if you have the money, you can cure cancer. But if not, then, you know, you're you're going to have to suffer through it, which I guess is, is definitely a big ethical question to ask. Right. And it's something we're going to have to see where this where this ends up in the future. But yeah, hopefully this is something that moves on from more than just theory and testing and lab rats. And hopefully when it does become something, it's something that people can afford. Yeah. Or something that is readily available for people in need. But it's kind of one of the things we're just going to have to wait and see how this ends up turning out. And even be implemented into hospitals as a whole. Like it's not something that takes, you know, the most most qualified person. Like there's only two people in the world that can do it. Got to fly um, to Switzerland and yeah, yeah. Hopefully it becomes as simple as hey, one day you just go to shoppers. Oh, you got cancer? Yeah, I had that last last year. <laughs> All right, here's your I don't know, here's your nanobots that we're gonna inject and yeah, you're cured. All right. <laughs> One, I guess one day that would be our science fiction future. Anything else for the podcast today? Uh, no. Um, the only thing I'd mention is uh, there's going to be a cool Fortnite event on Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were talking about video games being, you know, taking advantage of, of people's wallets. Well, I don't know. Fortnite seems to have been taking advantage of my wallet this season, so can't wait for the this season to be to to end. So I don't have to spend any more money on Marvel skins, um, or be tempted to spend money on Marvel skins. But yeah, it's actually going to end in a cool event where uh, Galactus, big villain in the Marvel universe, is going to come and potentially destroy the world of Fortnite again. Nice. So if you're interested, look out for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Fun conversation. Take it easy, everyone, and podcast land catch you in the next episode yeah